Amen. Good to see you. Hey, welcome to Salt Company. Thanks for coming back to graduates. Nice to be here. Thanks, band. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Austin. Hey. Wow, that was very kind. Um, my name's Austin. I graduated from the U uh, in, in the spring, hopped on staff in the summer, and if you don't know me, I'd love to get to know you. Uh, I like basketball. I like ice cream. I like french fries. I Also, I like it when there's the little, like, come on, or the energy in the room. Colin talked about this last week, but that can be a helpful thing as we listen to the word, as we try to worship our Lord. We can, we can get energized. That's an, that's an okay thing. So if I say something like, I like ice cream, you can say, come on, if you like ice cream. Uh, if there's something that is, you're excited about the character of God, that he's faithful, that he's loving, that he's with us, you can, you can say, come on, that's a great thing. Um, so anyway, I'm pumped for tonight. We're going to talk about uh, a passage of scripture that has been used tremendously in my life. Uh, it's Psalm chapter 1, and talks about the word of God, and why we love it, why it's important, why we even reference it and, and talk from it on Salt, at Salt Company. And uh, I'm excited to dive into it, but just want to invite you into a little bit of my life. Like when, when I'm listening to a sermon, sometimes I can zone out if I'm not like engaged with the text right in front of me. So you can take this opportunity. If you've got a Bible with you, you can get out Psalm 1 as I introduce uh, our message, but it also is going to be on the screen. If you, if you want to just look there. But uh, as you're looking, I, I figure I'd do a quick poll, okay? Apple Maps versus Google Maps. You'll see where this is going. Can we make some noise for Apple Maps, please? Wow. That's a pretty positive response. How about Google Maps? Ah, interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay. I am, the, I am a Google Maps person. I'm a Google Maps person. And I don't, know, I don't know how it started, but I just trust it more. I, I don't know why uh, I like the navigation, but I'm going to tell a story of a time where I used neither, and it was a bummer. So this was yesterday. I used, I used neither navigation app because I was going from my house to a coffee shop called Wesley Andrews. It's very close to my house. So I was like, I can get out of my house, I can get in the car, and I will take I'll, I'll hop on DuPont Avenue, and I'll take one turn, and then I will cruise on 27th until I'm at Wesley Andrews. That was a thought process in my head. Seems pretty straightforward. Uh, one turn. Here's the thing. I get out of my house. I go in my car. I start driving, and when I'm about to take the right on the 27th, I realize it's one way. I can't go that direction. So now I need to go past 27th. I take a right on 28th, okay? So now my strategy is I'm going to try and drive past my destination so that I can then take two rights and be at Wesley Andrews, right? Makes sense. Turns out I, my anticipation was off. I turned right too early. I, I get to a T intersection, and I, I am now on 27th going the opposite direction that I want to be going. It wasn't a good, uh, it wasn't a good time. And so 
I basically turn around. Now I'm on 26th, okay? Now I'm 20, 26th going back the same direction. And by this point, I have lost confidence in my navigation skills. And so I open up Google Maps and I try and get to where I'm going. It worked out. I enjoyed a lavender latte. It was delicious. Um, okay, why am I saying this? <laughs> because I had this kind of vision for where I wanted to go, but it got really confusing really fast when I didn't know where to turn. Okay, it got really confusing really fast when I didn't know where to turn. I needed a map. I needed a reminder of where I wanted to go and where I was at currently and what I can trust to get me there. Now, I think some of this resonates with our life right now. We we kind of have this vision for our life. We kind of have this plan set out in front of us, but it can get really confusing, really scary, really fast when we don't know where we're going. So if that's you right now, I'm pumped that you're here because I think Psalm 1 has something sweet for you tonight. And we're going to read the whole thing together really quick. Uh, we did this last week. Colin had us stand up when we read the Word of God. I thought that was pretty sweet. So we're going to continue that trend. If you would please stand with me. We're going to read... Psalm chapter 1 together really quick. It'll be on the screens. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. You guys can take a seat. Okay. So we've got two tracks, right? David lays it out kind of clear for us. We've got two tracks and a main character, yes? So, he sets the stage nicely by giving us our guy for the entire psalm, the man, right? Notice something, though. He doesn't say, blessed is the king, blessed is the A-plus student, blessed is the uh, superior athlete, blessed is the master musician. No, he just says, blessed is the man. So, no matter what, this is an invitation to actually place yourself here in this psalm, okay? He could have said, blessed is the one, blessed is the woman. The, the reason he said man is to, to isolate like the individual, right? So the principle here is that you can place yourself in this psalm and see this as you being before these two tracks. And those two tracks are uh, the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. Two different paths, two different outcomes, so Soul Company, we've got, we've got a decision for us, right? We can choose to become a certain type of person. And my prayer for us is that each individual here would actually choose to root themselves into the word of God. That we would believe the words that he has for us and that we would actually delight in them. Okay, so we're going to zoom into more of this chapter together. We're going to look at the first two verses, okay? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
All right, let's focus on the word delight for a second. In another translation, right, in this translation it says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. The other translation says his delight is in the Lord's instruction. So this is just another way we can think about this. The law of the Lord, the Lord's instruction. David here is actually talking about the word of God, the, the Bible, the revealed word of God. That's what we believe, that God actually spoke, that he, that he inspired writers to write down his words, and so we can trust the Bible as God's word, his instruction. And the man who delights in it actually has his attention fully on the revealed word of God. Something interesting to note is that David, so David wrote this psalm many, many years ago, like thousands of years ago. And at that point, they actually didn't have a majority of the Bible that we have now. You could like, you could like take out half of your Bible, all that was written after that. They didn't even have that yet. And yet David says, man, this is still the word of God. I love it. So like how much more now that we have this New Testament, we even have record of the God-man Jesus walking on earth, performing his ministry, dying for us, raising from the grave. Like we have record of all this stuff that David didn't even have at that point. But there's still value in it. I think that we can learn something from that as well. But David knew that this was the word of the Lord. He loved it. He delighted in it. He saw great value in it. So I think this begs the question, like, even for us right now, why do we read things? Have you ever thought about this? Why do, you, why do we read things? First of all, I just want to say, this isn't, okay, I wasn't planning on saying this. Have you thought about words? The fact that there are like little symbols that... Little, they just like form together and we just know what that means. And then another couple set of different symbols and we know what that means. You put them together, it forms a sentence and it like makes sense. Ah, that's amazing. Almost like there was a reason that we were supposed to be able to communicate with one another. Maybe there was a reason that God did this so that he could communicate with us. Perhaps. Okay, why do we read things? Because your professors right now, like you're in class, they're going to assign some readings why is it valuable for you to read those things? Well, we've deemed it appropriate that those who know a great deal of things and write them down, it's valuable for you to read those things, to gain their insight. Okay, we read the things because somebody who knows something wrote something down. And we can gain the insight from them. Okay, what if I told you that the person who knows everything wrote something? What if I told you that the person that knows everything wrote something down that you could read? Sometimes we don't even understand what it, what it would be like to know everything. Okay. Do you like music? Yes. Okay. <laughs> if you like music, like tell me, tell me every song ever written. Oh, that's a tough one. Tell me every drummer that's in every band and how he differs in style from the next person. We can't know that. We can't know that. Okay, if you like baseball, how about this? You like baseball. Talk about, okay, tell me how many home runs have ever been hit, like ever. Even backyard homers, right? If you're like, no, nah, I'm not into baseball, I'm an investor. I'm getting into investing these days. Okay, 
what was the, what was the market like on October thirteenth, two thousand three, at seven oh four p.m. Ah, oh, that's tough. Great, I'm not a, I'm not an investor. Ah, oh, that's that's pretty tough. I was honestly kind of worried about that. Okay, um, okay. Here's the point, guys. Here's the point. We can't possibly know some of these crazy things. But our God does. The creator of the universe knows all these things, a great deal of things. He knows the hair that's on your head. He knows, um, yeah, how many steps you've taken today. He knows how many steps you've taken in your lifetime. The creator of the universe knows all things, and he spoke. You can read his words. This big God is unsearchable. His ways are unknowable. His presence is mighty, but he's actually closer than you could ever imagine. And he's given you words recorded in a book. So blessed be the one who reads those words and delights in them. Back to the psalm, we can see the evidence of this man's delight, not just from his mouth. It wasn't just lip service, but it was actually proven in his actions. It says he meditates on the law day and night. This is actually what gave him, like, the ability to... Uh, to actually resist those things that he knew would harm him, right? It says that he walked not in the way of the wicked. The, he, he, uh, the path of sinners he avoided. The seat of scoffers he did not sit in. And we can tell that he was devoted to the teaching and the instruction of God based on how he lived. Similarly, we can look at your way of life and see what you delight in. We can actually decipher your view of the Bible based on how you interact with it. In fact, we could, we could decipher a great deal of things by looking at just how we interact with the world. Our actions are actually indicators of what we delight in on a day-to-day basis. And so when we look at this psalm and gaze at this man's life, it can show us the thing that has actually captured his attention. He delights in the Word of God. That's why he meditates on it Day and night, he was up in the morning, he saw it as valuable to hear from the word of the Lord. And he would spend his days letting these words actually impact his way of life, changing his motives, changing the way that he would interact with people. His everyday decisions were evidence of the posture of his heart. So the question for you is, what do you delight in? I think we can... We can try to answer that question in two ways. We can try to answer that question in the way that we, like, think we should delight in something. But when we're really real, our answer to that question of what do we delight in is more, the truth is more revealed based on just our everyday actions. Like, what does our life say about what we desire? What does our life say about what we delight in? Like, we should mimic this strategy of David as he's, as he's looking at the actual behavior, the everyday decisions. So what do you, when you sit down in class and the professor hasn't started quite yet, what are you thinking about? Or when you're, you've had a long day, you're laying your head down on your pillow, like what is capturing your attention? When you're walking into Salt Company, what are you thinking about? What are you delighting in? Because we all have that thing within us, right? This kind of goes back to what Colin was teaching on last week about worship. Like, we, we will worship something. It's not about 
if, it's about what. Okay, so we've all got this delight inside of us. Something has captured our attention. We should take care so that we know that we're delighting in something that's actually worthy of our life. Because we're going to become that thing that we delight in. We're going to make steps toward that thing. So we ought to evaluate and take care that we're delighting in something that is worthy of our life. Because we're not just a black hole. We can't have nothing going on inside of us. We actually will have this intake. And if we're not delighting in wonderful things, if we're not delighting in beautiful things, then we're going to be delighting in something a little grosser. And we're going to become that thing. So my plea for you tonight is to delight in the word of the Lord. To delight in his instruction. It's good. Let the words fill you. Let them give you hope and security and actual affection for the creator of the universe. Uh, my dad's company, when he was starting at the company, they started doing these, these trips, okay? So they would go on these fun trips. They weren't like lame trips where you'd go across the world but then like sit in a conference room or something. They were like going on cruises and stuff. They would scuba dive and snorkel and stuff like that. I always thought it was really cool. And this was when I was a kid that, that these trips started up and they'd usually be during the school year. My grandparents would usually come over and like help us run the house, um, make sure that we would get up on time, go to school. My grandma would give me nice back rubs. It was very sweet. It was lovely. I have great memories, great memories of these trips. But um, it gets cuter. Serious. It gets cuter. Um, so my parents would go on these, maybe they'd be a week long or so. And so they'd prepare us for how long they were going to be gone. One of those things that they would do, uh, just to, they loved us so well. They would print out a picture of my mom and my dad standing next to each other with the I love you sign in sign language. And they would have a cute little note on the bottom. And it was just a way of them saying to us and giving us this artifact, they laminated them. They <laughs> gave it to us so that we could, we could just know that they were thinking about us, you know? It was this little artifact that we could look to and remember how, how deeply they cared for us, that they were coming back soon, and that we could hold on to this and think, man, wow, my parents do love me. Even though I can't see them, they love me. Guys, I loved that laminated picture. I, I remember I would just like fall asleep next to it I would wake up, I would read it, I would be like, oh, I love you. It was so adorable. Guys, the Bible, the Bible is our laminated picture of God, okay? The Bible is our laminated picture of God. It connects us to the deep love that he has for us. It's the proof that he indeed is coming back. He's coming back soon, and he's going to make all things right again. It's the evidence of his faithfulness and a great story of how far God came to get us. He sent his son down to get us. It points us to the person, Jesus. It's the thing that connects us to him that gives us hope for our future and we can hold on to it. It's the thing that we were meant to look to to have our affections stirred up so that we would eventually see him and worship him not because reading our Bible is a box to be checked, but it's something much more 
deep, something much more personal, but that it would actually create a relationship. Okay, the reason why it's so critical to delight in the word and to meditate on it is because our delights actually will develop into a character. This is kind of what I was talking about earlier, that we will become what we delight in. The things that we delight in develop into our character. We become them because we're giving our attention to them. You're currently like a makeup of your past loves. If you think about this for a moment, it's kind of interesting. It's like, why are you the way you are right now? Okay, what were the things when you were growing up that you loved, that you participated in, the, the people that you are around, the things that you gave your attention to? All of these things made you to be the way that you are right now. So we can continue this trend and actually look five years in the future, ten years in the future. Like, what is the way of life that you're pursuing right now going to lead to in that, in that time frame? How is your lifestyle going to make you look in five years, in 20 years, in 50 years? Because it's easy to often think that we're on the right path, right? Leading to the most fulfilled life. It's easy to think that we're headed the right direction. That's why you're doing what you're doing right now. That's why you're in school. That's why maybe you're hanging out with these people. That's why you're pursuing this job, this degree, because you're convinced that that's the lifestyle that's going to lead to the most fulfillment, the most joy. But we ought to evaluate the realistic outcome of our lives to determine if we are on the right track. Like the realistic outcomes. Who will we be if this continues? What will this lifestyle actually lead to? Evaluate the realistic outcome of your way of life to discern if you're on the right path. Okay, so what's the realistic outcome of the one who is totally delighting in money? Like if you're totally consumed with and if the thing that you, that you hold on to is, if I just make this amount of money, okay, well, the realistic outcome is that you could end up becoming the person that is actually rich, but just not quite rich enough. What's the realistic outcome of the person that is focused on your outward appearance, the curated aesthetic, is you might actually have a life that looks totally put together on the outside but maybe your heart will be corroding with insecurity. If you delight in that perfect job, maybe you'll spend all your energy working for that promotion, working for that next, that next leg up. Maybe working to please your boss over and over. And maybe you'll do it. Maybe you'll get that promotion. But maybe you'll lose your family in the process. If you delight in being the best competitor, the best student, the best writer, the best musician, maybe you'll win awards, maybe you'll gain public recognition, but you'll lose your friendships. Guys, this hits home for me because in high school and early college, I put a lot of my identity, all of my identity into my status. Like as a musician, I pursued drumline, I pursued um, yeah, just things that I wanted to stack up on my resume. My delight was in my performance. My delight was in my skill. My delight was in the praise that I would get. And I, I got it. I got what I wanted. 
I got the praise that I wanted. I got the accolades that I wanted to. I got the experiences that were fun that I was hoping for. But it came at a cost of my real friendships. Because I would tear people down in my own mind so that I could put myself up. And it led to brokenness in relationships. So I just encourage you to take inventory of your life and look at the realistic outcome of your lifestyle. Because ignoring the word of God, ignoring the instruction that he has for you will lead to ruin. And delighting in the word of God leads to life because it's actually listening to the one who designed you. Delighting in the word of God is hearing it and believing in it. And believing that he's got the best interest. He's got your best interest. He knows exactly what you need. All right, let's look back at the psalm to see how David describes the man who's delighting in the instruction of the Lord. I think this is amazing. This is verse 3 and 4. David's got some sweet imagery for us. Okay, the man that is delighting in the instruction of the Lord, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, in all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Okay, picture with me. This is hard because it's winter, but picture with me. Like a beautiful landscape of luscious greens. You've got a river running through it, it's like glacier-fed water, so it's crystal clear. You can see the rocks beneath it. And beside that stream is planted this giant oak tree. Its limbs stretch far above, giving partial shade over the river. Right? And if you were to look beyond the horizon, you'd see maybe some mountains. You can see the birds flying up. You can see this, just this beautiful green covers this whole landscape, Okay? And place yourself there. It's rich imagery from David. And I think it's cool because we can actually like unpack it in a few layers. So we like stay in this landscape. We can, we can think about just the water, right? Like what's the water to the tree? Okay, the water is life. It's like this vehicle where all these nutrients are actually going to like flow into the tree. It's going to invade the tree and nourish its limbs. And we can understand that a tree needs water. I would bet that 90% of the house plants that you guys own do not look as healthy as a tree next to a river. Mine don't. Mine look terrible. My house plants are suffering currently. But a tree needs the water to survive. It's life. It provides the nutrients to flow into its veins and provide fruit. We understand that the trees need water to survive. Humans, we need the same sort of water to survive, but some of us are looking in the wrong place for our figurative life. Some of us are looking for life in unrestricted sexual freedom. Some of us are looking for life in just one more drink. Some of us are looking for life in this perfect resume. Some of us are looking for life in 15 more minutes on Instagram. That's not water. That's not what we need. We need the word of God to fill us. And when we are planted in it, his spirit 
fills us. He gives you what we need to live when we meditate on his words from this living God. We're letting the spirit actually permeate throughout our lives and bring life and flourishing life to our surroundings, to our community. I want to take a second just to like clear the air on something that maybe you're thinking right now that like the expectation of the Christian is just to like sit in a room and like sit down with the Bible and read it for like like eight hours a day and just just read and pray, just read and pray. Those are like good things, but that's that can't be it, right? We're, we actually weren't made to to just intake, but we were actually made for so much more. Notice that David says, the man who delights in the word of the Lord, he meditates on it day and night. He's not necessarily just reading it day and night, but he's, he's actually meditating. So the thing about meditating on the word, it is good that we read it because we can't actually just meditate on something that we have no reference of, right? So we would need to take time to actually read the word so that we're familiar with it and so we can meditate on it throughout the rest of our days so we can have the confidence that the devotion of a follower of Jesus is the study of scripture which informs our decisions and forms us into his image we need to spend some time like soaking up that good water into our bodies like into our brains into our hearts in order for it to actually ooze out of us and give life to our surroundings so I want to get practical really quickly okay Five keys, five nice ingredients to meditating on the word. These are just like five quick tips of maybe how to let the word of God be on your mind in college, right? You're going from class to class. There are a lot of in-between times. You got time at home. Five keys to meditate on the word. One, this one's actually kind of tricky, but huge. Okay, Bible before phone revolutionary, really, tr- really like tough. It's as simple as it sounds, but it's as difficult as it sounds too, because like we're such in this habit of pulling our phones, checking the notifications, checking the feed, uh, keeping up with our friends, sending a good morning text to the cute one, you know? <laughs> but what if, what if we actually decided to like hear from the Lord first? Like, let his voice wake us up. Let his voice get us out of bed. Let his voice be the one that encourages us to go out and live for him. That's my first tip. Bible before phone. I believe in you. You can do it. Number two, this is, okay, when you sit down to read, what do you do? This is tricky sometimes. What do you do? What's worked in the past for me and others around me is like one chapter a day. So just, just get one chapter a day in. If you don't know what to read, if it's, uh, you know, let's say it's the 2nd of February. Maybe you read Psalm chapter 2. This is what we call the Psalm of the day. So there are 31, maybe 30 days in the month. You can pick a new Psalm every day. There are actually 150 Psalms. So you're not going to run out too fast. If, you're, if it's the 5th of February and you're reading it, you're like, oh, I'm not really driving with Psalm 5. Skip 20 or skip 30 and go to Psalm 35. That's just a quick tip. One chapter a day, usually when, it's, when you're just able to read one chapter, you can actually like digest that 
Read it quickly a few times. Then read it slowly. Focus on the words. And then as you're walking throughout your day, just think about it. Ask God to show you something in your day-to-day life that that passage will actually speak to and see what happens. See how the Word of God actually transforms the way that you view the world. Quick tip number three, memorization. This one's awesome. This one's awesome. I've seen God do really cool things just with fighting lies, fighting temptation from the enemy, that memorization, writing the word on your heart and actually like hiding it there and being able to call it out on command is like just a sweet way to live offensively for Christ in our world. And by offensive, I mean fighting out the darkness with light because we believe that the word of God actually has transformative power to actually bring light into our world. And when we've got it on our minds, when we've got it ready to come out of our lips, maybe we're having a conversation with somebody and they've got a a nice question, an honest question about what it means that, that salvation is a gift, that we don't need to actually earn it. Well, we could... We could recall in our minds that we know that Galatians says, it is by grace you have been saved, not by works, so that no one may boast. Like, that kind of stuff is powerful in conversation. We can point friends and have sweet references of the word of God. So memorize some of your favorite scriptures and see what God does. See if he brings those to mind in conversations with people or if he uses them just in your own life by yourself. Quick tip number four, listen to the Bible as you walk. This one might take some changing of preferences, right? Because we can often like jam to music or something when we're walking. But what if we actually just chose to listen to the Bible as you're walking to class? How would that change your perspective when you're walking into class if you're hearing the word of the Lord that's encouraging you to live as a light on this campus, that you're actually sent onto this campus that you, you don't need to numb yourself as you're walking to class with the newest song, but you can actually be filled with the Spirit and encouragement to live and to work hard for the Lord in your classes. So you can listen to the Bible as you walk. Number five, take some pressure off yourself. Take some pressure off yourself. You can take it slow and just enjoy the Word of God. Don't put pressure on yourself to check off the box each day, but actually just like, just, this is an invitation, right? This is an invitation to hear from the Lord, so take it slow, enjoy it, and uh, honestly, just want to like, after these tips, to tell you that I'm not perfect at doing all these five tips, even in college, just like, wasn't wasn't great, wasn't perfect in my track record of reading the Bible each day. So don't want you guys to think that I'm like up here because I've perfectly checked the box on reading scripture every day. Like we're human and we don't always get it right. And I'm right there with you in the struggle of trying to like reorient our schedules and reorient our minds so that we're in love with the word of God and ready to hear from it. I'm right there with you. I get distracted easily, or I, sometimes I think that like a certain task in the morning is more important than reading the Word. So just want to level that like 
man, it's hard sometimes. But I've fallen in love with Scripture. There are seasons when it's hard to read, and there are seasons when it's just so awesome because the Lord is, like, revealing sweet truth about who he is in the Word. And I just pray that we would experience those seasons where we see the beauty of Scripture and we see his character rightly from the word. So would you just join me in taking practical steps to spend more time gazing upon the beauty of God through his word? I think it's going to be worth it. I think it's going to bear fruit. The language of bearing fruit, okay? This is, this is our next layer of looking at the tree. The language of bearing fruit has been sweet for processing the work of the Christian. We want to produce, right? We are designed to work and for work to be a good thing. So we can see a healthy tree, healthy tree will bear much fruit, unhealthy tree will not bear good fruit. And the psalm says the one who meditates on the instruction of the Lord is the one who will bear fruit. I want to just quickly read from Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the types of, these are the fruits that we're trying to grow from our trees. And it's only possible to grow these things if we actually have that fresh water, the good nutrients soaking us in. We can't, we can't fake these fruits. They are produced by the Spirit. So plant yourself in the Word of God that you may honor Him with what you pr produce. And when you're flourishing in a community of, community of believers, it looks like humble service and encouragement. And these fruits will be on display. Okay, let's look at stability of the tree. This one's sweet. Stability of the tree. Check it out. Verse 3 and 4, starting in the last half of verse 3, it says, And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. But the wicked are not so. They are like chaff that the wind drives away. Okay, the one who's delighting in the Lord, who's meditating on it, is going to remain planted even through the tough stuff. Its leaf will not wither. This is not like the one who, in, who ignores the instruction of the Lord. They're like chaff. Okay, so if you don't know what chaff is, I didn't know what chaff was. It's, it's this like leftover husk of corn or grain that's like separated from the seed, and they, they aren't actually planted in this good soil, but they just, uh, they were never watered with the good food. They're separated from the seed, and they're blown around by the wind. Here one, here one day, gone the next, and when we ignore the word of God, we're allowing ourselves to be blown around in the chaos without foundation of truth. So why does stability matter? Right, like why is it so valuable to have a foundation because the storm is going to come. Storm's going to come. There's a quote from Mike Tyson. This was funny. I, I, I heard this quote from Mike Tyson not too long ago. So there were some, he was talking to the press, and they were talking like, hey, Mike, these guys are going to like, there's this guy that's going to fight you. Are, you. are you worried because he's got this great plan to conquer you? He's got this great fight, this great fight plan. And Mike looks at them and he says, everybody's got a great plan until they get punched in the mouth. <laughs> oh my goodness. Everybody's got a great plan, plan until they get punched in the mouth. Okay, so why does stability matter? Because we can have our great plans 
We can have our great plans, but then we feel like life just kind of punches us in the mouth. One of these days, things aren't going to go quite the way we think they are. Our plans aren't going to go exactly how we would hope. So what are we going to be rooted in? What's our hope in that scenario? When that day of significant suffering or loss or deep hurt comes around, what is your life in that scenario? Be planted in the word of God so that your limbs might shake your bark might be broken off, you might be scarred, but you will remain upright in the Lord, and you will stand upright in the Lord because he watches over the way of the righteous. He watches over those that are firmly planted in the word of God. They will prosper, not because, not because your life is easy, but because the source of your life is undefeated. God is undefeated. Being planted in him means that you have security. Okay, so maybe you're saying to me in your head right now, you're like, okay, I, I hear you. But I've hopped on this, like, Bible love for a season. It just wasn't fun enough. It just, like, wasn't entertaining. I didn't feel like I actually got anything out of it when I was reading in the morning. I, di I didn't know that it was worth it. I, I felt like I was better off doing something else. And just want to say I hear you. I'm with you. I think we can just like take a moment to let the pressure off a little bit to normalize the feeling that it's just like tough to enjoy the word sometimes and tough to wake up feeling like, man, let's get after it. I want to read. So just want to say, I get it. And we can kind of take this moment and just like let the pressure off ourselves. It's not about our performance. It's not about our performance as a Christian. This is an invitation to look at God in his word and see that it's all about Jesus and his performance on our behalf. It's all about his performance on our behalf, and we actually get a sweet picture of that when we do spend time in it. So that's the invitation, to see that. Okay, we need to recognize also, we can recognize that the Bible is ancient literature. Ancient literature. It's not like a New York Times bestseller, so we don't need to be too hard on ourselves. And if it's tough for you to get into it, that makes sense. It was written thousands of years ago. But here's what I'll say. Be strong. Anything that's worth knowing will take work. And I know some of you are, like, are in the process of studying medicine. Some of you are in the process of getting an engineering degree. So you need to become a doctor. Okay, you're wicked smart. A lot of overachievers in the room. I know this because you say you're doing homework all the time. You're very, you're very dedicated. But here's the thing. You didn't come to school expecting that your textbooks would be light reading. You didn't come into school expecting that something that was worth studying, worth gaining these skills for, was just going to be easy breezy. Anything worth knowing actually will take some work. So my encouragement you're going to be assigned a bunch of readings in college. Texts that have been helped, uh, they've, they've helped great people accomplish a great many things. But if you want to read the book that has influenced the world more than anything else in history, you should read the Bible. Like cover to cover. You should read the whole thing. It is quite simply the greatest literary work in the history of mankind. 
I think there's a reason it's been preserved this long. It's going to take some work to read it, but I think it's worth it. Seriously, I think it's worth it. And honestly, I think it is more, more fun than school textbooks. Way more fun. Here's the bonus. So it's going to take work, but the bonus is that we're a part of a family, okay? We're a family here, so we can actually do this together. We can study this together. You're not in it alone, but you can join in. Let's build each other up and encourage one another to keep going. It's always better when we're in it together. So when you read a sweet thing, share it with a friend. Maybe they need it. It's alive and moving. Build each other up as we try to read together, try to meditate on the word together and be formed into the image of Jesus together. Uh, this is why we do stuff like Gospel 101. Nate and I are teaching that on Sundays, 2 to 4 p.m., Kaufman. If you, like, want to get deeper in the word, want help, sign up. It's still on our website. We've had our first class on Sunday, but I will welcome you. It would be great to have you because we want to study the Bible together. We want to know what it says. So come do that with us. We love scripture. As I close, I want just to remind us, like, the goal of all of this. Okay, the reason that we look to scripture is because we see Jesus. The reason we go to scripture is because we see Jesus. He is the word that actually became flesh and dwelt among us. He's the fulfillment of this psalm. He was the man that perfectly delighted in the law of the Lord. He was the one that perfectly walked. He is the fulfillment of the entire Bible. He's the whole reason we read this thing. Because we see, like I was mentioning before, that it's his achievement, his death, resurrection, and ascension that actually can call us righteous. Because we receive his accomplishment. Jesus was the man who perfectly delighted in the law of the Lord. He's the object of of our faith, and it's his accomplishments that grant us the ability to know God. So he has promised us that he will be with us to the very end of the age. So as you're reading, just know that he's with you in that by his spirit. Read his words. Trust that as you meditate on his instruction, you will be formed into his image. Be planted in the word of God. It's got a beautiful view. It's got a beautiful view of the Lord's faithfulness to us. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thanks for the imagery of a tree. So simple, but profound that God, the one that delights in your word is like a tree that's planted by streams of water that our leaf won't wither, but We'll bear fruit in its season, and everything we do will prosper, Lord, because we have you. Thank you that you've revealed yourself to, to us in your word, and I just pray that we would be a people that are quicker to, to look to you for insight, Lord. I pray that we would treasure and delight in your word. Father, would you use it to point us to you? Would you use your word to make much of who you are to reveal your character to us, your faithfulness and your love and your mercy to us. God, thank you so much for sending your son to become flesh, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. Father, I pray that 
as we go into our weeks and as we read your word individually, Father, would you, um, would you show us just the beauty of your scripture and the wisdom? Point us to you, Jesus. Make us more like you. And Father, I pray that we at Salcom would just be a people that are planted in your word, that trust you, that want to know you more, that we glorify you by the way that we interact with your precious word, Father. Thanks for tonight. I pray that you would move in our hearts to stir us to worship you right now, God. Thank you for revealing yourself to us. Pray this in Jesus' name.